3: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I mean, I'm worried now because I I know exactly how I'm starting this. I knew exactly how I was going to start this panel last week. And I didn't know that a JVU interview camera was going to sit next. I just want to ask this audience because I want to get a feel for where we are. Does anyone know the meaning of the word frivolous? Yes. Right. At the end, John Davidson, Australian. Let him in the country. Mm-hmm. Journalist, podcaster, anything else you are? <laughs> Steve Mascot's mate, have you got any shirts to sell? No, <laughs> no, have no, 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 no. Made up any countries? No. Phil Kaplan, 4020 Magazine. What else are you? Hat. Harris Hat. Runner bookshop. We don't run the bookshop, yeah. assistant to the <laughs> runner of the bookshop. Allowed to sit upstairs at the bookshop. <laughs> uh, Johnny Boyd Ward, international, with Wales and England and Ireland, of course. <laughs> Yeah, but the Tony Carroll of it's the It's been a World long, 12 game. years. <laughs> um, and who will be playing, hopefully, in the World Cup. You're in the Wales trade off squad. Yep, so.
2: announced today, so...
1: That's good. Peter Smith, long-time sufferer of watching the leeds Rhinos, and, of course, their successors with the option Evening post.
0: Hello. <laughs> I'm, I'm not being rude looking at my phone, by the way, but I'm waiting to hear from Rhys <laughs> Martin's appeal. Facebook. They've appealed against the verdict of the last appeal and I'm just waiting to hear the outcome. That should be any moment. So if I, if I keep looking at my phone, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that's why. If
5: successful, there is a rumour that Sid Hines will then be appealing his sending off. In the <laughs> <laughs> so
3: and James Jones, And have counted, he's played in a World Cup, it won everything... I think you've boots ready for the weekend because I'm, I'm concerned about Leeds oh, squat squad. I've, uh, I've started running now That's long behind me in Rugby League. But, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Hopefully we, we can get some fruits from that appeal and, and get our best team on the field, but we're confident. This is far cry from where we started, isn't it? At the start of the year, turned it around. really good environment at the minute and I think it shows on field. Well, we're supposed to be talking in the first half of this programme
1: about the, the current news in Rugby League, which... I don't know, I don't want to talk about Wakefield getting rid of a coach, I, 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 I feel that, uh, uh, that's something I don't want to talk about, but, as James John, you can't next to me, you've been in that head coach's role, albeit as an interim in Super League, what's it like, what's the pressure like in that role, knowing that, it can only end two ways, neither you could, you know, are <laughs> getting rid of you.
3: Yeah, that's why I wanted to get out of it, as as soon I couldn't, couldn't wait for Roy to get over you know, I was talking about this, so think about my journey as, uh, you know, as a Leeds citizen at the Rhinos. As a nine-year-old, I used to stand at South Stand and watch my heroes. Rhinos used that phrase, educated, entertained, inspired by the role models that I saw on the pitch. They were my heroes, and had a boyhood dream of playing for Leeds. Did that for 22 years, fulfilled that boyhood dream, retired with a massive sense of gratitude, wanted to pay that forward. And last three years since retiring, spent three years in the other side on North Stand, being an assistant coach and an interim head coach, and probably the most revealing three years of my life, certainly that six-week period before Royal coming was a real revelation. It was an, almost an awakening. <clears throat> and uh, you know, the flip side of it is that it was an absolute horrendous period in the context of where I'd been on my journey as, as a Leeds fan, as a Leeds player, and really wanted Leeds to do really well. So, where we were at that, that moment, you know, the weight of the, the challenge was massive, and it was like being on side of a cliff every morning. But I loved it, I loved it because it's the most alive that I'd felt as well mm-hmm. since I finished playing. And I think when we've got a purpose in life, that's when we're at our very best. That's when we feel like we've, we've, we've got a role to play within the tribe. And uh, I've not felt like I had a role to play like that for a long time. And I got up every morning at that tenure. I ran ten kilometres, and that was my moment. First thing, when sun was coming up, to get those ideas, those inspirations out, and ultimately set my day in motion. And you know that that time you are forced really quickly, to learn a lot of lessons, galvanized some really good relationship with players, um, and it obviously finished a lot better than it started. So we got two and a half wins, didn't we, at back end? Uh, draw against Huddersfield, but then two two pretty pretty dire wins, but the wins win is and then Rowan's come in and, and he's been fantastic. You know, a twenty a 20-year career coach. I first met Rowan when I was about 14 years old, playing at Stanley. His dad was coaching at Bradford Bulls and he came to play a few games with us. And we were all really excited. This Aussie kid was come to play and thought, Aussies oh, are great. And he showed us a few tricks. Then he went off on a path as a, as a professional career coach and I went off as a professional player. And it's interesting we've sort of come back uh, together this time round. But the big lesson that I learned during that six-week interim period is as much what I don't want to do as much as what I do want to do. And I've always been a bit of a jack of all trades, master of none. Now, if you know me, you know I pop up quite a lot of, in a lot of places. Um, often, as the poem says, it's better than being a master of one. So I'm quite diverse in that I love people. You know, I'm a trustee of Leeds Rhinos Foundation, which is I suppose the biggest provider of our external provision in terms of going into the community with that Reynolds on. Do a lot of ambassadorial work for a financial consultant a firm called Cerulo, bring a lot of work into, into Edinburgh. Leeds 2023, Year of Culture next year, really excited about that. I'm a trustee there. Managed to get Gabby Logan to come and be uh, a chair of that. And I'm really, really excited about the role that sport can play in as well. You know, when we uh, left Europe with Brexit, it meant that sport could play a part in that in that year. And uh, loads of really good events planned, and they're going to launch it and They're going to get involved in the Rugby League World Cup, which is great as well. Um, I'm doing some work punditry with Sky, uh, which was a great opportunity that I presented itself this year. At the same time, another opportunity to present itself this year, which was to get my head fixed uh, from the occupational hazard of playing Rugby League for 22 years, and I've, I've been in what feels like an ironmonger's. For the, last, uh, for the last six months, getting bits of metal barbed wire wrapped around my teeth, which didn't help being a pundit. Uh, but it's been, it's been a year of learning, and now I'm just about to go into another chapter in uh, the lead Drymore's journey and hopefully support Rowan in, in years to come. i can't help but draw the parallel between what Tony Smith brought in in 2004 for my generation and what, what, what Rowan Smith will bring in for the next. So I'm really excited about Leeds. What,
1: what, how do you feel about Willie coaching losing his job away? Sometimes you're claiming at least one trophies
3: with him in the Yeah, I I was coached by Willie when he retired. He, he went to do a bit of coaching at, at, at Rhinos with Franny Cummins. So I met you know, and he's been around. He's, he's obviously been to Warrington, been to Okaia, and I've seen that he loves coaching and he's grown and developed. And I thought, to be fair, what he did with Wakefield on the back end, they were exceptional when they got that win against Castleford. You seen? a real spirited performance and you know, a lot of people say oh, they won't win another game and I say no no, from what that's all there I think they've got a couple of games in them certainly back in the season when you've got that second Easter period they're showing more than enough signs of coming together um, and thankfully you know, the finish really strong and I thought that might have been enough and you know, considering context of, of where he is and what he's got to work with I, you know, I, I, I thought externally done a good job but obviously we all make assumptions don't we what, what we don't understand we feel we're pseudo and quite often that pseudo-knowledge is a million miles off the truth. So I don't know what's going on at Wakefield or where, where players feel about him and, and from him. But I, I love Willie. Really he's, he's a golden bloke at heart. And I very much hope that he, he picks up a new role somewhere else and starts next chapter of his life.
1: I mean, this is the hard thing, isn't it, Peter? For any coach who loses their job, it, it's all right, there's going on, on social media saying, oh, I hope they find a new role too. But those roles aren't out there just to pick up straight away.
0: No, especially not at, at this time... End of the season, everybody's already putting plans in place for next year. Um, I, there won't be any vacancies yet, but there are always vacancies because clubs do things like get rid of the coach, like Wakefield have done. Um, I didn't see it coming. Clearly, they've got somebody lined up. I think there'll, there'll be an announcement pretty soon. But I, I thought, it, it, without knowing the inside story, I think it's I think it's harsh on Willie and and Franny. Willie was appointed last August. They won, I think, five of the last seven games, mm. and he was given the job on a full-time basis, having been a caretaker coach. And they won five of the last seven games this season. So the record is, is the same. Um, it was good enough to get him the job last year, and it's not good enough to keep him the job this year. I, th- I think it's, I think that's strange. I don't think the problem at Wakefield is coaching. I mean, you're away from fan, you? you know better than me. But they don't have any money. Um, they don't have the resources that other clubs have. Um, they've obviously had well publicized problems with the stadium, which have been addressed to an extent now. They've got a, le- a lesser budget than anybody else. And I think to expect a coach to do anything other than to keep them up is, is a big ask, really. And he kept them up. They were 10 points off the bottom of the table and they finished above Warrington this year. And I, th- I think... Considering everything that stacked up against them, I think that was a decent effort. They won towards the end of the season. They, they won out Saints, admittedly a, a below-strength Saints team. They beat Wigan at home and played some cracking rugby. Good to watch. Um, I just think it's a show.
1: Before we ever go to Warrington, are, are we going to Warrington on this tour? they, are they <laughs> uh, I think we'll be all right. We'll be all right. See, Feel free. Feel free to have to go out of Warrington. Oh, no, we'll we'll save that for uh, Tony Smith coming in at Hull FC, Well, that's obviously... Uh, Something... Well, I I say... You know, months of... It, obviously, I know everything about these... It's, it's, it's easy to have two and two, isn't it? But... Again, we talk about Wakefield's problems not being the coach... sure it's, it's, it's the same at Hull as well?
0: Well... <laughs> Hull... Hull seems to have the same season every year. They start really well. They usually come to Henningly and win by about 30 points... Not very many. And they're going to win everything. And then they get a few injuries... And it all falls apart horribly over the second half of the season. Um... I'm not sure the exact figures, but they'll lose something like 13 in the last 15 games, something like that. Some of the performances were absolutely appalling. And, you know, in a situation like that, the coach always carries the count. I think Tony's a good appointment for them. I think he's an outstanding coach. Um, he won't take any mucking about. I think he'll he'll turn things around there. But I'll be interested to see the dynamic between the people running the club and Tony. That's always something that has to be factored in when, when you're appointing coaches. T- Tony won't take any nonsense or he won't want to be told what to do. Um, I think that's possibly been an issue at the whole in the past.
1: John, you know everything because you, you've got your nose to the ground. Um, <laughs> Prime the come to Wakefield, isn't he? That's all the fair fans
4: want. I like to Wakefield fans. It's not according to Ross Edmonds thoughts. so take his word. How have you uh, enjoyed the
1: 2022 season, which is still ongoing. You know, Leeds are obviously going to go on and win the grand final. We
4: all know it's going to happen. I think this this time of year is probably the best time of year because we're, we're getting the semi-finals. We've got you know both thameses. We've got grand finals coming out. And we've obviously got a World Cup. So yeah, I think it's the best time of year. Um, it's been a long a long season, probably um, too long. But um, yeah, it's a really exciting time, and I know that we've seen some some high quality games and hopefully some massive occasions to come. Obviously, Old Trafford and then. The World Cup, which you know, it's, it's been a long bit of an extra 12 play playing for the World Cup, so uh, yeah, everyone's appetite should be wet. i say, who's more tired at this part of the season,
1: the players or journalists?
4: <laughs> um, yeah, I would say the players. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any sympathy for journalists. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the injury count, obviously, we saw Alex Warmsley or confirmed today, and it is players are dropping like flies, and um, I think I'm I'm sure Jamie knows a lot better, but the, the demands that players have put on in this modern game, you know, the contact and training as well is is crazy. Um, so, you know, I think that's something that needs to be addressed. Obviously, we want internationals, we want full internationals, but players need to be able to recover and recruit as well. Not, not players missing the world, Cup.
1: but the, the best players are going to be at the World Cup. Some of them are not going to be playing for England, unfortunately. You want them to play less games, you keep saying this all the time. The problem is, you you want to play, You want them to play less games.
3: Do you want to play less games? I want to do what's best for, for rugby league, and I think players do as well. So I think you've got to... There's, there's a, I've seen Wigan's new facility there, there's a big sign above one of the doors, it says disagree and then commit. And it was a phrase that stood out, because that was a mantra of my old generation of players. You know, we were quite successful. Not necessarily some great players, but we'd come up with an idea and didn't always agree with it. But then once we've crossed that white line we're committed to make it happen and uh, all players want to do what's best for the game and I am not so keen on all the wins in, I'm quite stoic. But I think you know there's a compounding effect of, of injuries. I think one thing that I've noticed from being a coach is when you get players banned, for example, then that puts more strain it certainly simbin during the game or sent off, and puts more strain on the players on the pitch, which increases the chance of injury. Then if you want to get a quality training week, you've got the same players who are <laughs> injured out training, which in very many, who are getting strained there because they've got another job to on weekend. And then there was a period when uh, I think we played OKR and I had like Jack Sinfield, 17 year old, Morgan Gannon, I think about 18, um, Max Simpson, 17 year old, you know, and only a couple of games ago they were playing for under 15s, you know. And you're asking them to go out and play against OKR and the you know, like some professional players to lose St Helens like, all the best, Ego and wow, did they do a good job. And you can do that with young kids, you know, you can you can make it a big enough occasion for the runnable to water, um, you're never going to score many points, but they'll work out it's a big baptism of fire for them. But, um, yeah, I think we should play less games and, and make it a higher quality spectacle with, with our better, more athletic players. Now, if you play
1: less games, I'm, I'm going to take on the role of club administrator. Yeah, right? yeah. You're playing less games, are going to pay you less money, you're Yeah. Are all, your other, are all your teammates happy with that? Just, are, you, are, you the, are you the outlier in this? I think
3: if um, the money will go up and people become more interested in it, and people become more interested long-term when the player game gets better, then if they want to watch the Yorkshire League because we want to bash a lot of games, and then that, that's fine. And look, as a player, again, I, I'm not bothered because it's the same for everybody, as long as we're all playing back the same roles. I used to quite enjoy the endurance element to it. You know, a lot of my... My old teammates are pretty sadistic. They're like, you know, it's what Kev does. Those were in Ultramarfields day after day. We quite enjoyed the endurance side of it. The and then what you do, you drag other teams into it and say, come on, we're having this a what? Let's, let's compete. But um, as a spectacle, I think it needs to be as, as athletic and powerful. And that's what's what's in the NRL. I mean, it looks like you've got 13 against 13 athletes. I think, and it's outstanding. Um, but again, I, I understand the, the alternative argument as well. I need to see how long we can do without Phil speaking
1: this is, this is the plan now we've done 15 minutes, Jodie, you're next yeah. um, you're part of this massively successful Leeds club which is annoying to everyone outside of Leeds because the Rhinos men, they're in grand finals, challenge cup finals, they win stuff all the time, the women have been in the grand final every year they've existed, they're in it again on Sunday, the PDRL team won the grand final this weekend, won't tell you who they won it against, and now the Leeds Rhinos, they won the wheelchair challenge cup this year won the league leader shield you've got the playoffs this weekend against the london roosters what is so special about
3: the leeds club
2: it's I, I think where we started like 10 years ago we were the team that were getting beaten week in week out you know people laughed at us and didn't take us seriously because we we're there to have fun and with that You know, we developed our skills. We got a coach on board who was willing to put in the time and the effort to actually develop us as people and players. And gradually, we started to win. I think our first win, I've never seen a team celebrate as much as what we did. Uh, I do remember the hangover the next day. (laughs) Um, But we've just been working as a unit and we've become so cohesive. Um, And I'm pretty sure, you know, If any of the others from Leeds are here that say the same, that we almost know what we're going to do before we do it. We don't, everyone says, you know, you're such a structured team, we can tell when you're about to run a play. Um, I'm glad somebody can because we don't. Like, we we just hope for the best. Um, But no, it's a lot of hard work, and last year, you know, history making treble that we won for the first time. And this year, we've had people injured, people out ill, work commitments, uh, World Cup commitments, and we've made the best of what we can, and I think as a team, to go on and get to where we are, which is the semi-finals on Saturday, um, we're just going out there to give it all, like, for us, yes, the World Cup starts for us, you know, the next month, but... We've got to get the leads, the leads wins out of the way, and aim for a third, uh, aim for the third trophy this season. Um, and again, if we get it, amazing. That's you know trebles two years on the bat. But if we don't, we can say we gave it everything, and um, you know we're just working. I'm pretty sure Simo is sick of us at this point <laughs> because <laughs> see Jonesy knows what I'm on about. Um, Our captain likes to um, look at other sports and bring things in from other sports. And I say captain, he's also our coach. Um, And every time he brings something in, it's usually either myself or um, my teammate Nathan Collins who pipes up with some question about why we're doing it. What's the point in this? Like, how have you got this from tennis? Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, it's definitely a big one. And, you know, we said... We said last year before we knew about the World Cup being postponed that our goal, you know, as a team, you've got uh, myself and um, four of the team who are, I think it's four, I lose count, (laughs) who um, are hoping to play for England at the World Cup. Um, And we said, you know, at the end of the day, international, when it gets to it, you know, we're, we're no longer teammates. Um, oh. But whilst whilst we're in our domestic season, it's Leeds first and foremost. And um, we go out there and put everything on and leave everything on the pitch.
1: Remind me, which was it? Which of your Leeds teammates did you bash when you were playing for Wales against England? Sheffield Bash? Uh,
2: Halliwell. In fact, there's, there's a clip of me tackling my, <laughs> my Leeds teammate, uh, pushing him over, laughing in his face. Uh, then spinning back around, going up to him, going, But are you okay? Uh, <laughs> he's not let me forget that. And I have said to him that if we face each other in the semi finals, um, there's no such thing as leads. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about the World Cup in the second half of the programme. Phil, I'm, I'm going to bring you in. Oh, you've had 20 minutes of not saying anything. <laughs> it's been lovely. Wow. i So is everybody here. <laughs> I get the feeling. Uh, and I don't win Leeds. I'm not playing for the gallery, honest. But when Leeds Rhinos tweet hashtag One Club, I get the feeling that that's not just a, a meaningless hashtag. It, it, I'm not saying that one team's more important than the other, but everyone's given the same opportunity in the club, and, and that's why all four teams I've mentioned so far have been successful
5: in their own ways. I mean, I have to obviously have a, a hand up with vested interest here, but I think a lot of that does come down to the foundation. Um, of which I'm honoured to be chair at the moment um, and I think that bringing PDRL, LDRL and now wheelchair under the foundation liverying up all the teams to look the same they can all wear that blue and amber badge um, and, and feel genuine equality and, and we'll, we'll mention that when we talk about the World Cup the big thing about the World Cup this year is that men, women and wheelchair and PDRL and now an LDRL tournament going to run alongside it they will all have the same spotlight. The same Billy. Um, Now that's pretty unique to Rugby League and there's a lot of things that might need to change in the foreseeable future about Rugby League but our inclusive nature is, is our USP and I think if you're looking at why, I mean, you and I have been big fans and proponents of the women's game and the wheelchair game when it was in its infancy, I've seen a lot of Jodie playing, don't argue with even actually. <laughs> you right. do, do not disagree with it. She she is fierce. Um, but there is this togetherness about all of these teams. Um, and I think it does stem from the fact that whilst it would be great to get more results into the wheelchair game, it'd be lovely if Leeds had a, 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 a sports hall they could play out that they could call their own and brand up. It'd be great if you know, the women's team could be paid at least their expenses or, or for turning up to play and hopefully we might be getting to that but at the moment they've got access to strength and condition, they've got access to a gymnasium they've got access to you know, even Rowan Smith presenting the, the women with their shirts before they went out um, you know, last week, all of that I think is a cultural thing um, now I think it's in imp- general will tell you, culture's massive but it's really hard to define um, some teams have it and some teams don't, and if you say what's the missing ingredient, it's not in a book somewhere, Um, it might be about just how people get on with each other and buy into a concept Um, and I think that does tend to happen at Leeds, Um, and I think it's happened when they became the Rhinos, What, what people forget is that first year of Super League in 1996, Leeds were woeful, absolutely abject but for the fact there were two worst teams in the division who weren't Ready to play Super League in Workington Old, leads were were shocking, um, and Gary Gary Hetherington, I'll tell you that he knew he was taking over towards that last game, and walked round the stadium, and leads he was playing Workington at home, and there were about five thousand people in the ground, um, so they they've come from a base where they know what it takes to relate to the community, um, and that is inherent in how they treat all the teams. Um, I know we'll talk about. ...other things that are going to affect the game at the moment... ...and you almost hinted at it with... ...are we playing too many games... ...but the next three months are really crucial for this sport... ...because you're going to get IMG reporting on the 28th of September... ...so we're going to get an idea of how they view the game... ...they've been brought in as consultants... ...and the word is that because there was unanimous agreement to bring them in... ...there's not going to be too much disagreement about what they propose... Um, I don't know how radical it's going to be, nobody does until they announce it but that's a blueprint for the future, that's pretty important that's going to lead into a World Cup and again it's a World Cup on home soil it's 61 games all on the BBC you'll be able to listen to Jonesy tell you about exactly what's happening (laughs) senior pundit Um, but it's going to give us a platform and, and if we don't take advantage of this then we never will What's that phrase you? Is it, we never miss an opportunity to miss an
1: opportunity? Like, like York's men playing at the same time as York's women. Professor Sally exactly. Collins is finest friend John Davies, you've been reporting for months that there's going to be a change of leadership of this sport. Who, who's going to take over? What's going to happen? Now now Brown's disappearing off into the... I don't know who's
4: going to take over. There's obviously a lot of talk that it's going to be an internal person at the RFL. Maybe a uh, so do, do, so if, if, if
1: it is an internal appointment then as the last one was, does that mean any difference whatsoever to the game going forward?
4: I think it does because the the interesting thing is that the RFL won't be what it is at the moment. Obviously Rugby League Commercial has been created, which is another body just to confuse people. Um, and it will run commercial matters and they are looking for a managing director. And I think Ralph Remy hinted that last week there could be a body called Rugby League Golf or Government. So just to be more confusing, um, I guess you could frame it, it would be a lesser role, um, but as Phil as said, I mean, it really depends what IMG suggests and also what the clubs are willing to embrace because um, IMG doesn't have powers to enforce change, it's, it's doing a review, it will make suggestions, but obviously, um, as Phil's magazine, I think a few months ago wrote, right, there was a similar review in the 70s, which a lot of recommendations weren't. Uh, taken through, and then in the 90s, obviously, with Morris um, Lindsay, a lot of those recommendations, the Frame of the Future weren't uh, introduced either. So uh, it's really a case of wait and see, um, I think, what, what will happen in the future. Must be hidden in one of these books about this life, right. some, some old
1: dusty report on how Rugby League is going to grow in the future. Um, how do you see things changing, Peter? Because obviously, we, <laughs> As, as John mentioned, we've had this time and time again, but is this, with on the back of the World Cup, the great opportunity
0: for the Well, it is a great opportunity, but as you say, it, bitter experience tells us all that, you know, we'll believe real change when we see it, because we've been, as you say, we've been here before and, and been in this situation and nothing's really changed. Um, I think that the way the game is at the moment, clearly things need to be done to... Um, to get the game, I don't know if back on its feet is the right word, but to get the game thriving, just, just for people to feel better about the sport because it's supposed to be entertainment. We, we watch Rugby League because we like it and you know, we, we're thrilled by it and we, we enjoy it, but an awful lot of people supporters of the game don't actually seem to like the game very much at the moment. And I think that's, I think that's a concern... Oh, you have got, got to, to go to Rugby again. You only have to look. You only have, you only have to look at... I mean, I don't know if anybody reads the letters page of League Express. <laughs> <laughs> these
2: Rich, are, Rich is the
0: only one. These are supposed <laughs> to be people... To these are Rugby League fans, and every single letter is basically saying, I hate Rugby League. And, you know, we just need to... Someone like, like Jonesy <laughs> would be perfect. We just need to need, <laughs> <laughs> need to get need to get, get see the world enjoying, as it is. Just need to get people enjoying the sport again and, and looking at it in a more positive light. Whether that'll happen or not, I don't know. I think there are some big changes needed. I think I'd, I don't think just appointing somebody that's already at the RFL is the answer. I think we need to make proper change. Um, John Dutton, who's I mean, the World Cup's not happened yet, obviously, but seems to be doing an outstanding job head of that. I think he'd be a good choice to take the game forward. OK, David,
1: yeah. you don't want to be a coach, but now we've put you forward, you're the chief executive of rugby football league, what
3: are you going to do? Just try and get everybody together. There's a word up there that says they're the power together. It's a bit of branding for World Cup and you can either pay a lip service to it or you can live it. We see it again and again, you know. And I'm not boasting, I'm just... You know, impressing upon you the magnitude of experience that I've had with eight grand final rings in under my bed, and a handful of other medals, World Cup challenges, and it's just—it was just one case of loads of magic and great players. who just did everything together, and 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 bought in and saw the bright side of, of uh, most things. Um, and so I I still love rugby league. It's a hard game. It was born out of a, a little bit of hardship, I think, and uh, that's part of our, our identity. But. I'd be interested to know what does rugby league, a good version of rugby league, look like. If we start there, what's the vision? What does it look like? Ingrain that into our subconscious and then just go make it happen. That, that, that's, that's how life that's how life works. You, you, you've got to come up with a vision. You've got to ask some leadership. You mentioned Maurice Lindsay there. He had he had a vision and an idea. Everybody hated it at times. From the, the historical footage that I've seen and read, and even when he passed away, you know the Sky did a fair bit of uh, coverage on him and people walking around with placards, banging on about, some rugby league. this is ridiculous, how glorious not care, it's it's old. And actually now, people like myself who have had the journey that I've had in the modern era, you know, earned the wages I've earned, you know, I'm not a footballer, but I'm not the bad either, um, and, and I'm well looked after, I've had great opportunities to continue at a fantastic club, and again, that's where all my gratitude comes from, and getting up every morning is, is, is based on paying it forward. Know, using all my time and energy to try and promote the game for the positive and see see, see it good. I, I'm really interested, somebody's going to talk to me here today, what does a good rugby league look like, what does it look like? What, you know, when rugby league's great, right, if feel it's like punching the air and proud about it, if it's not now, what does it look like?
1: Does it include the match review panel? Is that it? everyone fans of the match review panel?
3: Speaking of which... i <laughs> will
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Leeds Ryder's Rhys Martin has been unsuccessful in his attempt to overturn last week's disciplinary tribunal ruling that it's appeal against one-match suspension, blah, blah, blah. Um, he is suspended for the semi-final. He's now, need
5: it now been banned until 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask Jamie a question on the back of Do what you've Engrained yeah. yeah. Ingrained the DNA of northern industrial working-class people. Yes. Optimism wouldn't be one of those things. (laughs) So, who comes up with the model of what it looks like? Because does it need some kind of benevolent despotism? Are we too democratic that we want everybody to tell us what it should look like? Do we just need somebody to say, this is what it looks like, this is what's going to happen,
3: you buy in, or you don't? Well, that's leadership, isn't it? And you need to be brave. That's what stood out about Morris for me. Regardless of people that said, no, I, I don't like this... And a fair few people say, no, we're doing it anyway. And that, that's brave. You know, the, the amount of times I've seen U turns in Rugby League, that's catastrophic. That's not great leadership. And listen, I'm I'm awful going down the dark alley sometimes to see what's the other end of it. If you keep doing what you've always done, you'll get what you always got. That's what we are doing, isn't it? So somebody's got to pick up the button, have an idea. Uh, I've, I've 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 done a few tournaments down in uh, with PDC Darts doing Eddie Earn. I've just been for Eddie's earn book. Barry Ernst, and I get invited to this fish, charity fishing match every year, and I, I'm privileged to be able to sit down and talk to them, and what they've done with darts, what they've done with snooker, what they've done with boxing, what they've done with uh, certain aspects of golf. I think they even have, like, a 10-pin bowling competition. They do. they do, It's ridiculous. Everything they touch turns to gold. But they've got to own it, because they understand what entertainment and events looks like. Um, when you're filling out Wembley for big contests and cross-pollinating YouTubers with fighters, you know, my kids are like, Dad, I want to go watch KSI fight, and I'll do it, I'll, because that's what their generation want to see. Um, and, and I remember having a conversation with him, saying, that I've tried to get hold at Challenge Cup, I've tried to come in and, and say, I'll do something with Challenge Cup, but nobody will give me it. Um, And I can understand why, it's a really prestigious, important tournament, but if with that objective that upset about the way the game is going, why not give it to somebody who's tried and tested? The other thing as well is, right, when every ever we need somebody to come in League and, and take it over and lead it. And and I've I've seen um, Richard Branson, 1999, London Broncos, right? He yeah, had Marwan Kukash, uh, Robert Elston, all these other people that have done pretty well in, in other <laughs> in other sports, have come in and all almost like old testament prophets, just being smashed to bits by a game. David Argyle, exactly. Toronto, smash the bits, and then just thrown out of it. And then, where's the next one? Come in, try and do something, and we'll smash the little bits as well. Maybe we need to let somebody have a go and just, just go down a bit of a, a, a track and see where it see what it takes us. Too much self-interest, it's not going to Exactly, self-preservation, yeah.
0: That's it, why the hands are never going to work, because they would say, we're doing it this way, and the clubs would say, no, you're not. But
5: now's a very good time to do it, because
0: the clubs have never been at
5: economically weaker, and... That goes back to the very first question about why Wakefield have changed their coach. It's an economic argument. It's nothing to do with the ability of Willie Poaching and Francis Cummins, who have done an incredible job to take them to where they are. It's to do with the fact that they're going to replace them with their assistant, and there's a huge cost saving, and they've got rid of a lot of the high-earning players for next year, but they're still going to be a Super League team. And you're you're saying, right, well, what are the criteria to be a Super League team? If you're going to have, let's say... Three quarters, two thirds of the budget of everybody else because that's what you've restricted yourself by. How can you get the best competition? And it does need somebody like the Hurst to come and say it's the minimum standard. If you don't come up to it, you can't be in it. You're depressing. We're not going to the, wait
3: <laughs> till <No>, that No, <laughs> <laughs> not. after last. I think there are only about three people watching in me. Wakefield. To merge
1: all the three clubs, just put them all together. Uh, what do we do then? If done? they've done that,
0: if done where, that. where would we be now, yeah? What are they going to call it? Colder, Colder, yeah. horrible. But I mean, there'd be that would be a strong club playing in front of regular five... Uh, five, thousand. Five, five figure gates in a decent stadium winning things.
1: We can say this because we're in Leeds, But I would... I, and I've said this on the programme. They shouldn't mention the three women's teams because they're a waste of time at the minute, for a minute. Wakefield, Fettison and and women's teams are all separate. There's no point in having... One, no, two teams that are battered every week and one that's at the top end of the second division it's pointless especially when you can in the women's game, in the wheelchair game where you don't have that history where you can change things and try something different.
0: You mentioned Castleford there what, what's happened to Castleford's women's team is it's typical rugby league though isn't it? They, was it three or four years ago they were setting the standard in women's rugby league they are a superb team but apparently they weren't looked after club didn't take advantage of this they had 15 pe- 1500 people turning up to home matches but nobody took them under the wing and the women the coaching staff and the players got fed up and now they've all moved to York who were playing Leeds in the grand final on, on Sunday it was just that was another example of an opportunity missed, Castleford could have really made something of that and they didn't and the, the game needs just needs people who can get a grip of these opportunities I think
5: but the interesting thing having said that and it, it relates to, to Jodie you're playing London Roosters in the semi-final on Saturday London Roosters is not the traditional route that people go down um, that was Martin Cloyd looking at what he wanted out of wheelchair rugby league and saying we've got some very good players in the south of England but we probably haven't got enough to sustain three or four teams let's make a super team and then in the semi-final Does it work for you having London Roosters in the league?
2: Yeah, I think um, for us, we haven't really noticed a massive difference other than, um, you know, like with us at least, we've got um, eight key players kind of thing. Uh, Risa are saying they tend to have a set amount of players, but uh, rather than it being, you know, three or four different teams in different leagues, um, it has made them, I, I want to say it's made them stronger this year. Um, and, you know, it's been... Kind of it, it's been a learning curve, I think not only for us to play against this new super team, but also for roosters because you know some of them are from uh, the previous team which was um, the Argonauts and Medway Dragons and they've all had to combine and you know I think um, Martin had the right idea with it and you know it's leading to development and' it's, it's one of you know a few clubs that have formed a super team and I think he's got the right idea going in the right direction.
1: Which we have murders, John. I mean, you, 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 you've got no you've got no uh, iron in the fire here. I, I can't
4: say wait should murder As long as no one murders with North Sydney, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, just jumping back to what Phil was saying before, what Jay was saying, I mean, you can look at sort of the dictator, the dictator, but I mean, if you look at what's happened with Peter landis at the moment, he was hailed as the Messiah, and now there's not really a lot of love for him. Obviously, he brought him the six again, which proved to be a flop he took a TV deal which the AFL's got a lot more so I think they're, they're, in any system they're pluses and minuses against the sort of despot um, but in terms of mergers I mean yeah you make a good point if, if that had been forced through the West Tigers perhaps aren't the best example but they have to have a lot of competition um, and while their fans aren't very happy they, they do have a strong fan base. St. George and Laura you know are, are a very strong club um, I think there's it's a difficult one because tribalism is, is inherent in the spirit of rugby league um, that's what probably drives it but then it's also probably a weakness in some ways. so um, you can look at Sheffield and Huddersfield as an example we'll Shuddersfield yeah um, Gates not yeah, they were good yeah, didn't work so well so yeah. I don't, there's no common uh, ticket it's only like half
1: time um so I'm not going to come up with any more ridiculous questions about like who's going to win the World Cup, I think, because that's junior. So we'll take a break, we'll come back, we'll talk about the World Cup, which we're all excited about. Um, in the meantime, while you have a break, don't plan on going to... Where are the RFL based now? Is it Manchester? The go, and, go and protest like uh, myself and I think four other Wakefield fans did in 2000 to try and get our points deduction reduced.
2: <laughs> Although it, it,
1: it, it was reduced but I don't think it was because we stood outside Red Hall. So I don't think
2: that was the case. So we'll come back,
1: we'll talk about the World Cup and uh, more and en- enjoy the biscuits which are there provided by is it the World Cup or the Council? <laughs> I'm showing the, the lack of leadership, obviously full of leadership to it.
2: you'll tap the chunks. <laughs> <laughs> give them a chunk. <laughs> give them a chunk. Let <laughs> <laughs> them They're having mother's meeting.
1: I know, it's shocking. I didn't say. What, are
2: you talking to us? Yeah. <laughs> so
1: you're getting all the gossip. The World Cup is coming. It starts in how many days? Do we know? Less, less than 50. Less than 50. <laughs> less than 50. We're going all around the, uh, the powerhouse, haven't we, Phil, apparently? If only it existed. <laughs> No am saying that, I'm not kicking off this tour it hasn't even started yet. Uh, the World Cup is coming, we're all excited, we're supposed to be here last year. Jamie, um, so you've played in the World Cup, what's it like to go out there, wear this show of your country, sing the anthem, do all that, what's it like?
3: 2008 wasn't a great example, to be fair. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was the old Leeds and Saints World Cup, wasn't it? Um, but, uh, look, when you get an opportunity to represent your country, it's the best thing you can possibly do. I think uh, I remember doing an interview and, Certainly, with the St George's flag in that, oh, I like, felt like a Knights nice Templar. I'm a bit of a medieval <laughs> romanticist, anyway. When I'm running out there, it wasn't very often. I played maybe 10 games. Uh, but one of the biggest, sort of most gratifying moments of my career was I played against Aussies at Wembley, playing, like I said, Billy Slater and Greg Inglis and Cameron Smith. And I played them a couple of times you know, when they'd. Uh, come over with Melbourne Storm at welcome Challenge, but representing the country is phenomenal. And Steve McNamara did a wonderful job, we used to go down to Loughborough at uh, the end of the season and uh, we'd have a camp there. And I think that's when you really get to understand and respect a lot of the other players in the Super League. Certainly, I'll give you one example, Sean Locklin. I don't think you've realised how good he is or was until you played with him, and what a lovely kid he was as Well, even for a, a Wiganer, you know, so I, re- I really enjoyed that part, one of the most gratifying parts of, of, of my career for sure, and a, and a big, big honour, as it always is, to represent the country. Right, so we won't talk about the World Cup
1: in 2000, <laughs> we're,
3: we're <laughs> definitely not going to talk
1: about the World Cup in 2013. I mean, it's all, just, it's all just heartbreak for England, Phil. Although, I mean, the, the, here is the good historical precedent, of course, 1954, new monarch on the throne, great the World <laughs> Cup. So, <laughs> 2021 stroke, two World Cup. We're going to win, and we've got four chances to win. One. So you know, it's a good, good opportunity. We're going to win
5: the wheelchair World Cup. You're saying that we join us? say we, England? I'm
2: mm.
1: going <laughs> 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 like to
5: get the sense. I mean,
1: fairness. You did play for it, so you can you know. Yeah, but we lost that blocks. World Cup.
5: <laughs> we might win the PDRL Yeah. Which would be great, captain by like Scott Godin. Um I'd have to say, and John will give you an insight onto the teams that um, are going to be coming over from the Southern Hemisphere. That the women's NRL, which I've seen a little bit of this year, is just at such an elevated level at the moment in terms of just how it's not just the skill level. I mean, you almost take that as a given. But the physicality of that competition is above what we've been seeing here at the moment mm-hmm. and even though we're at home and I'm really excited about um, the doubleheader kick off at Headingley. I think mm-hmm. you know England playing Brazil is something we should be celebrating Jamaica being in a Men's World Cup is something we should be celebrating but I think if we're really honest I'd be amazed if the England women's team are at a level that the Jillaroos and the Kiwis are at the moment so I think you have to be realistic about that. The men, I don't know what we're expecting. Um, John watches a lot more NRL than I do. I, I think we'll underestimate the Australians, even though they'll still be favourites. Forcing the world for the rubbish. Them. Them. They'll have some unfamiliar names and they'll be brilliant. Um, I think the Kiwis have already shown that they shouldn't be underestimated. We saw how good Tonga were in the last World Cup. The opening game against Samoa, if they can pick everybody that they've got available, that'll be a test in itself. But it's what we want, you know. If we're serious about putting international league at the peak of the game and whatever IMG tell us about the domestic game there, there, there has to be a way of putting internationals and coming up with a schedule whereby they take precedence and players, <coughs> as many of the top players are as fit to play in those games, that's going to get us more cut through than we can play cast for 12 times in the season um, and that's always been the case, we just haven't done it um, so where are we? Probably with the withdrawal of Alex Wormsley today puts us a little bit further back. So you know, I'll take two out of four. It's not bad, is it?
1: Really. At least we've increased our chances by having more World Cups as part of this World Cup, thanks to the inclusive nature of the league. What, the then, John? Who's no, going to win it uh, apart from Australia?
4: Uh, I think um, one of the Pacific Asians are a huge chance as long as, long, as, long as well as New Zealand. Um, if you look at what's happened since 2017, and I think that World Cup was a good marker, I remember John Key, he was still coaching Wales, but um, he pointed out, I think it was an interview with the BBC, about the the disparity that had been brought in because obviously Fiji, Papua New Guinea, Samoa, Tonga, they're all their players. If they're not playing um, in the NRL, they're playing in Queensland Cup the New South Wales Cup, obviously with PNG And... Just being exposed to those training, that level, uh, the speed of the game, that level every week, just puts them at a higher level, essentially. Um, And what Christian Wolf's done with Tonga, I think, is remarkable. Um, You know, I was there in 2019 when they beat Australia, which was a historic moment. They'd beaten Great Britain uh, in Hamilton the week before, which was equally a historic moment. Um, And then, obviously, PNG went on to beat Great Britain. So, I think that there is a shifting of power, and, and you could say it is away from Australia, because... One of the good things is now we have a number of state origin players who are Australian, and they're born and raised in Australia, but they have Samoan parents some and Tongan parents, and they're very close to their heritage, and they're electing to play for those nations. And Australia has the player depth that, I mean, we will we'll see, but you could say, arguably, it won't affect them that much, you know, because James Tedesco can play, and Tommy Turbo can go and play for Serbia, but Serbia, Serbia aware of that. Um, that's the really interesting thing, and I think obviously New Zealand won the World Cup in 2008, but imagine what a Samoa or Tonga winning a World Cup would do, I mean, it would be, it would be huge. I so.
1: mean, we, we talk about these things though, about how, what the impact would be if England won the World Cup and the game domestically, but in terms of in Australia, the fact that they're not far ahead now as the World Cup, the fact that there are been competitive matches against Samoa, Tonga, etc., is that improving things for International Rugby League in Australia? Because obviously, you know, it's a big joke. The Australians don't care. It's only about New South Wales and Queensland. Well, I
4: think there's a real chasm developing now. I was actually speaking to a former international today, and he was suggesting that um, you know, even if Australia lost the World Cup final, um, there wouldn't be that much change. And he's probably right. I mean, there are a lot of insular people in Australia, because it's so so far away. Um but also, if you look at the the wrap weekend that we had, I think it was June, July. You know, sold out crowd at um, Mount Smart Stadium in Auckland. Huge crowds for, for Fiji and Papua New Guinea and the Cook Islands. And the fans, the atmosphere, people were really buying into that. So I think there is a lot of people in Australia who who want international rugby league to grow. They want to see. It. There's obviously a lot of people in clubland and in the media who don't. They want to keep the NRL as the premium product and state origin. But there is a there's a rift there, and I think. The only the, the way to help things along is have a great World Cup, have fantastic games, great atmospheres, big crowds, and then you can literally say, okay, this is something we can sell. We have to buy in; we can't ignore this any longer. Yeah. But I think that's the way things are going um, because of the likes of Tonga and other other things like that. You know, because you've got some of the best players in the world, you know, Brian Tahoe, uh, Jerome Louis, electing to play for Samoa instead of Australia is a is a big makeup for for
1: we're going into a World Cup, where obviously England aren't going to be at their strongest. We know that because of injuries. Does it matter for the tournament to be a success or not that England aren't in the final, the, the, with a chance of winning the tournament?
0: I think I think the tournament tournament will be a success because I think it's been it's been really well um, well run in the build-up. It's been well marketed. It's got some good people looking after it. Um, it would obviously it would help if England gets to the final, and particularly if they win it. But um, I think Old Trafford will sell out for the final anyway, and that's 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 going to be great. It did um, it did in 2017. Uh, England didn't get that there that uh, year after, <laughs> even by England stands a heartbreaking defeat in the uh, semi-final to New Zealand. Um, it it would help, but I, I think the tournament will be a success. And I think the fact that that we're not saying 100% of Australia are going to win it is is a real a real selling point. I think Australia probably will because they always do, but not 100% sure of that. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's not an australian new Zealand final. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the Pacific nations gets to the final. I think there's a a, a little bit more uncertainty about this tournament, and I think that's great. I think say the way it's been marketed is very good I think they've chosen the right sort of venues um, for the right sort of matches I think the women's tournament is going to be terrific as, as Phil says I think I, I watch a lot of the women's game over here and I think it's going to be quite an eye opener when we see the Kiwis and the Aussies um, but the organisers are hoping for a a record crowd for the for the double-headed opener at Headingley. That will be a fantastic occasion. The wheelchair's going to be terrific. Um, I mean, it's wheelchair rugby is just such a good sport to watch, and it really works on telly as well. I think I think that is probably the thing that's really going to make the impact this year is the world, is the wheelchair tournament. Um, no, I'm I'm expecting good things. I think it's going to be a, a really good, really good tournament. Um, Hopefully, no, normally a series of disasters before a rugby League world cup. I don't know if anyone remembers two thousand when just, just I, there was an apocalyptic rain for sort of the entire tournament. I was in I was in Ireland for one of the games and we couldn't get out. The whole place, the whole country was underwater. Um, I think it'll be a lot better, a lot better than that. Hopefully the weather stays fair and um, I think people will turn up. I think people are going to enjoy it.
1: I'm fairly sure that. St. James's Park was much better on the telly than Johnny Vidal stood in front of it. Was he in Belfast that first game? The,
0: the first game, game? was... Because Willie Bodger
1: was kicking for some... I thought, I've never seen Willie Bodger kick before. Ah, dear. So, obviously, the wheelchair game is the one where England have been on an uh, apologies journey, but... Um, yeah, obviously, obviously, it's going to be England-Wales final. I mean, not put any pressure on you, but, you know, obviously, after this, you're telling nothing this season in Women's Rugby League, and the one League of the so... Shows you what I know about the game, but... We were talking earlier about how you promote things, giving it to Eddie Hearn or whatever. The thing that struck me about the grand final last year was when you came out onto the pitch with the lights off and you've all got spotlights on you. It's an event. It's it's something to keep an eye on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, go back even as short as three or four years ago, we, you know... We're in the uh, grubbiest sports halls that you can imagine We somebody tried to stream on YouTube and keep the Wi-Fi going. Um, oh. So even in just that short period of time, you know, um, to have the likes of BBC and Sky Sports actually broadcasting the games that we've got and to making such an event out of it. And as Pete says, it translates really well on TV as well. Um, now don't get me wrong in person, you can definitely hear the hits of the chairs um, but you you know if if, um, if it's one of those games that anybody's going to go oh I want, you know what's what's this I think it is going to be the wheelchair game, and you know I think with the world Cup as well having Splitting group games and having you know um, England's group down based at the Copper Box in London and my group based at Sheffield um, to then come and meet in the semis at Sheffield. You know, it just means that there's a chance to draw bigger crowds, get people who perhaps have gone, eh, not kind of my sport, not really bothered about it, and go, wow, you know, we have people turn up to our home games at uh, Leeds Beckett who. I just found out via either Foundation or Rhinos tweeting it, promoting it on social media, and going, I didn't know what to expect. And I think it's that surprise element in one way that is really going to help keep the momentum going within, you know, not just wheelchair, but rugby league as a whole.
1: Phil, people say that, you know, we've had the. The Women's Challenge Cup final was part of the semi-final day. I mean, we were there for the, for the great standalone final in 2018 when a huge crowd was at Warrington, uh, and you would out with someone from the archive and was hilarious um, <laughs> He did. It was hilarious. He um, double headers for the women's games in the World Cup. Some say we should, we're, we're disrespecting the women by having double headers, no, not having single games here and there. Actually. I think the
5: um, the final at Old Trafford will be sensational. Partly because you've got the women's game as the uh, part of the double with the men's game. And it may well be that both of those matches um, involve teams outside of uh, the nations that we would predominantly support. But all, already you're talking about an occasion. And, I, and going back to what Jamie was saying about the Herms, what we're saying about what rugby league needs to look like, it needs to be event-based. Um, you need to give people a reason to want to go to something because irrespective of who wins you want to be part of it and I think the, the opportunity to see I believe Australia and New Zealand can't meet in the men's final they can only meet in the semi-final so if it was something like Tonga in Australia you know, why wouldn't you want to be there to see that but if, if your women's final let's say could be Australia and New Zealand and you're watching all of these players you've seen on telly actually live in front of you that is the way to promote it um, to have you know double header games of, of, of wheelchair um, fantastic you know you 're just getting into it you 're really enjoying it you 're getting to understand it and The one thing I would say about the wheelchair game is if you go, it will only take you five minutes to forget people are in wheelchairs, which might seem like a stupid thing to say, but it 's rugby league you start to count the tackles you're looking at the tactics you're wondering who's going to chip over and when when the speedy guy which is only Nathan Collins is going to come round on a loop and, but, you know, it's rugby league um, and, a, and a, again without being here to just promote wheelchair rugby league it is actually non-stop it's the only variant of rugby league that plays for the full 80 minutes you can't have a trainer around. and just say, oh, I've had a head knock here. Can I have a teller? <laughs> sure, if they yeah. do not stop, it, it is a, they are astonishing athletes. Um, but I think if you get the chance to go to a, you know, the Copper Box and see two games at the center, you know, fantastic. It is the way ahead. And, and yes, at some point they will be big enough to have their own... Uh, Self promotion, but now that one of the great things about this World Cup, which I would urge everyone to get tickets for, is if you get a chance to see two games of the price of one, take it. And the post might fall over, which is always fun. Why well, hold on,
1: playing? <laughs>
5: <laughs> We're not going to hold yeah. are we? We're we not going to. Nobody really.
1: well, We might be going to The man is <laughs> in. Um, oh no! Oh, so we don't want to talk about you playing the World Cup. We discussed 2008, but. What are you looking forward to the most about this tournament?
3: Well, no apologies for going on about it again. The highlight of my career, uh, my career, my year in 2022 was the mid-season international wheelchair game England France. We covered that for Sky, and you know some of the stories. That like said, Bashari, the kid who plays for Catalans, brutal enforcer for England. And Tom Halliwell as well, captain, obviously played at Leeds, broke his leg, I believe. Playing amateur game against Mikolai Aletski, decided he's right, my legs broke, but like, I want to carry on playing. I've got to play with my mates' wheelchair and the rest of history. And I don't know if anybody here has been to a wheelchair game yet, but it's unbelievable, it's brilliant. And anybody can have a go it as well. So James Simpson took me in and he, he got me kicking goals, round racing. I remember the first time I, never, I didn't grasp that you've got to put the ball on your knee to carry it and try and trap it in there and use two hands. I've got tra- it under the wing. going <laughs> <laughs> <not> down in circles. I do what's going on here. <laughs> but it's a great game play, a great game to watch. As Phil's saying, it's really uh, quick and it's absolutely got the collision and physicality as well. Uh, Seb blew, just smashed people a bit, smattered the French, didn't it? Then I think he played with them a week after, yeah, for Catalans. But I, I'm really excited about that, and if you haven't had a chance to go see it yet, go see it. I think the best thing about double edges is it gets you over the line. So you know, I went with the women in 2019 in Papua New Guinea, and I've seen the journey that they've been on, and now the women's game's progressing. And all you have to do is look at a grand final, the images of them in the trophy, in 2018, 2019, 2020, you can see the progression getting bigger and better. Those girls are getting more professional. There's never been any less committed than the men, absolutely. But they've made the most of what resources they've got. And they're changing hearts arts and minds. Though, when I went to g the power they, they, they really were going to schools and changing the arts and of minds of, a, of a, a country that's still pretty medieval in terms of the way that, that they look at women, You know, in regards to gen- life in general, re- never mind playing sport. And, uh, it's great, it's inspiring to see, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. You know, the, the game at Mount Smart, the semi-final, the Tonga, I was there, it was the best game I've ever watched, I reckon, as a spectator. If that had happened in England, all you know, the dying moments, fans would have pot seats up, sent cars on fire, but all the Tongs were just singing pray- prayers and, uh, and singing I'm like, this is, this is amazing, nearly in tears. And I'm really, I'm really pleased that Tom Lolo and Fafita and those other guys committed to their heritage, but it only encourages more to do the same. She's got a real strong All Nations sort of uh, competition down in Australia, and then we have got a strong All Nations competition here. And I know it wouldn't be yet, but with consistency over time, I'd like to think the French who are looking forward to work up 2025, you know, Toulouse, Catalan's just well, not Toulouse going down, a shame. but bring Ireland into it, lads like Richie Myles, James Bentley, are really proud and excited about playing for them. And, you know, food for the Scottish in there, if you have to put Lochlin Cook for a bit until we get some Scots throwing logs around and wanting to play rugby league as well, that's great, but let's have some sort of consistency. And every now and again, merge the two, have a big fire of a competition, and, um, and yeah, promote world sport. I think the last and most important thing is, we're guilty sometimes, being really purist about rugby league. So, when um, um, Aussie said they weren't going to bring the best players over in 2021, Everybody's like, "Oh, we can't have World Cup without the best players." But the vast majority of people who will watch the World Cup will only see Australia. Don't have a clue who the best players are. I remember watching a, a, a women's soccer competition, and it was something like Germany against USA. Now, I don't know anything about women's soccer. I know a fair bit about men's soccer, and I know Germany. hell, was a good team. Germany had smashed USA all day long in men's game, but apparently in the women's game, USA are the best. Right? But I didn't know that. All I saw was Germany playing USA. Now, if I watched it, I'd have been as a sports fan of sport, and I'd have oh, this, yeah, this is interesting. Now, people who watch rugby league, hopefully, because we want people who don't normally watch it, will just see Ireland against France or Ireland against Jamaica. You know, they're not going to have much of a, a, an insight or any sort of bias as to what they've seen before. And as long as the games are competitive and cultural and we're shining the, those... Uh, those kids flying the flags and filling the stadiums, I think it'd be real entertaining.
1: Because as ridiculous as sounds, John, the event-going public who are going to be buying tickets to England versus Greece so grappling. The home of football, of course, of Sheffield United. Best team in the country. They don't know that Greece are going to probably lose by 100 points. He says, putting the pressure on John Wayne. I hope he's not watching.
4: Well, an American friend of mine who, who lives in Sheffield, he's, he's got a ticket to that game. I don't think he's ever seen a regular league game before. But you know, it's in it's in Sheffield, it's an event and obviously it's been marked for the people who aren't rugby league fans and that's a good example. But just on what Jamie said, I mean I've I've been lucky to um be FIFA World Cups, Rugby Union World Cups at Twickenham, um, Ashes Test, that, that game at Bounce Stadium in 2017 is the best atmosphere yep. I've ever seen of any sporting event. And I think if we can find a way to sort of fly over Fifty thousand Tongans from uh, Auckland <laughs> yeah. or you know Brisbane—that that would be great. But no, but seriously, I mean, if we can kind of generate those kind of atmospheres, it doesn't really matter who's playing. It, you know, if it's a contest and the atmosphere is there, you want to be a part of it. And I think anyone who was there, who saw it on TV, saw something amazing. But to be there was yeah, something special.
5: And I think that's the other thing about World Cups that we shouldn't underestimate. One is the cultural side that goes along with it. So you want to be seen a sippy town, you want to be, you know, seeing a hacker, you you know, you want to be hearing Fijian players who are going to go out and belt people, sing the most glorious hymn before they do it. (laughs) We don't see this. And when it happens, it sends shivers down your spine. That's what makes it special. I think when you then add in to the fact that you've got nations like Lebanon uh, and Jamaica in the men's. I mean, Le- Lebanon is an astonishing story. When you think about what is happening in that country at the moment and has done, uh, you know, for too long. Um, and admittedly, the vast majority of the players that will play for Lebanon will be heritage-based players from Australia. You talk to them about what it You talk to Michael Checker, who is coming over to coach the Lebanese team, whose family... Um, emigrated in a hurry from Lebanon to set up a life in Australia. He could not be more passionate than any coach we're going to meet. His team may not win a game, but the one thing he will Im- imbue to any media that ask him the question, to any fans that are, are watching the-, the output, is what it means to him and these players to don that shirt. And if we can get that across, which I think is something that we do really well in I believe, that essence of community it will be a success.
4: So if we can get Alan Jones to bang out some hymns in Welsh before. <laughs> <laughs> before. Just just touching on what Phil said though, I mean rugby union's taking a look at what's happened with the heritage rules in the Pacific in Rugby League and copied it. You know, essentially they've changed their rules now. So Israel Folau probably shouldn't mention but Who? he's playing for Tonga after playing for Wolbies and the numerous all blacks. Is that
1: because they're the only country alone to play played
4: Perhaps, but they've they, they realised that this is a, something that they're missing out on. So, I mean, I think that's a, a nod to how well rugby league has handled this particular situation with heritage. People will say, "Oh, you know, grandparent rule, etc." But literally, every sport does it, um, and it is, you know, something we can use quite well. I'd love to be able to play
5: for a different
1: I, I, heritage. Yeah. The game that I can't get past this World Cup is England versus Brazil in the women's competition, opening up things ahead. I mean, you must have seen uh, uh, thousands of games at Henley like, involving hundreds of teams. Did you ever think you'd see the Brazilian women's? Well, I, yeah, team? I was hoping you were going
0: to ask me why I was most looking forward to because England against Brazil our Rugby League—it's just—I mean, it, it, you couldn't <laughs> have imagined it a few years ago. Um, I say, there's going to be a big crowd. We hope. Um, I'm not sure it'll be much of a contest, but it will be an occasion. And I think that everybody that goes to it is going to be impressed uh, by the event and by certainly the standard of the English team. Hopefully, Brazil will give a good account of themselves. It's just—it's just going to be one of those "I was there" type moments, I think, and that's the thing I'm—I'm I'm really looking forward to. Are
1: you going to Brazil last year, Jody? Are you...
2: Uh, Next year. Next year. year, um... So, a couple twenty
1: twenty-five. But Brazil could be one of the big contenders in the world in the wheelchair.
2: Potentially, I think the whole idea between um, the partnership with Wales Rugby League and um, Brazil is that it's to help them develop a wheelchair side and have a national side. So, you know, might not be the next World Cup, but even the World Cup after that. You know, it takes it, it takes a long time to establish a nation in a competition such as the world cup so it's it's a start and you know we might find more nations come out and say actually you know whether it's england scotland ireland wales can one of the home nations partner with us and help us develop the sport as well and um, you know we've got um, usa um in my group pool this year um up until up until the uh, teams were announced, did not even know USA were planning to put you know their hat in the ring. So it just shows where that development's going, and it's not just you know wheelchair; it is across all forms of rugby league, and it can only go to a positive place.
1: Jamaica would been mentioned, um, based in Leeds, big Jamaican community here. We saw it. Well, then when they played Wales at Bellevue a few years ago, uh, the carnival band there, we saw that at the England Knights game a couple of years. I mean, that feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it? Aheading. But There's going to be some great opportunities for people to get involved and just enjoy a night of the Rugby League regardless of what the game's going to go like. I think
0: Jamaica will probably be everybody's second favourite team. I think they're going to be, going to be entertaining. Obviously, they're going to find it tough. It's basically a team made up of... Players from the second and, and third divisions in this country, but but they're going to be good value. Well, they played Scotland um, at was it Scotland at Featherson last year, got, got a draw. There was a, a um, samba band there playing afterwards with all the players. Samba band in Featherstone. Taking, in. taking <laughs> part. It was just. It was abs- It was fantastic. And I think people really get behind Jamaica, and you know Greece. Are, Greece are a good. Story as well, that's something a bit new for a league. I think there's just so many teams to take an interest in this time, I mean, you don't need to know anything about the players or, or anything like that. Just just pick a team and support them, I think it'll be great.
3: And I just say the, the big thing about the Caribbean, uh, also in Jamaica for me, it, there's a big Caribbean community. I want to say part of my heritage is from St Kitts, and there's a big St Kitts community in Leeds, but there's so much talent as well in that community, it's unbelievable. So, you know, there's school kids in Chapel Town and those areas that are winning athletics competitions every year and athletically are world class um, but never get exposed to a game of rubber league because we don't see it there's no reason to see it and you know how many Jesse Robinsons are there up there, how many Ellery Anders and so many other great players that are from that heritage that we can attract through games like that did And it was brilliant, you know the England Knights won in twenty nineteen right Tell them all well, you can't bring big bottles of rum into the ground like that. You know, <laughs> with curry goat and all sorts. but um But for me, I, I think it's a talent ID opportunity as well. You know, to really get a demographic. Love Mikhail Aletsky at the minute. You know, but he is a different accent from a, a different sort of nation as well. Of traditionally big, strong human beings, and they're will shine shining this World Cup. We have to shine. I've got weight of his shoulders now. That Walsley don't like his fit. But yeah, lots of little talent, idea, and attractive opportunities as well. Yeah. Uh, we've got ten minutes left, we'll ask your questions in a minute. Uh, we'll go down the line. I'm not going to ask
1: who's in a week, because that's just flipping. Who are you looking forward to most seeing in action, player-wise in the World Cup, John? Or who, who should the people be looking out for?
4: Jesus, that's, that's <laughs> a a question. Well, that's, why that's why I'm sat here uh, asking um, them. Let me, me. leave. clever <laughs> So... <laughs> a hospital hospital. I
5: think it will be fantastic to see somebody like Cameron Munster live. I mean, he is arguably tipped as the best player in the NRL at the moment. Um, his team have been knocked out early in the playoffs. I think that makes him even more dangerous because he's going to have a significant amount of rest. Uh, Brandon Smith for New Zealand is going to be fantastic. But I, I think John, John hinted at it with the Samoans, that they could be anything in the men's game at the moment um, and if they get that cultural side right that apparently has been missing a little bit they, they, they've always had talented players but they've never really bought into the idea of what Samoa is and what it can do um, out, outside of just being a rugby player the, the, you know the, the elements that make you proud to be Samoan and I think that has been missing but um, is it Frank Pritchard that they've got involved as their cultural officer? You know, well, the John's brothers getting involved, is that whole is is thing they've been no? But if they can get that right, then seeing the likes of Jerome Luai, um, who we've seen for Penrith, again on his day, one of the greatest players of this current generation, why, why wouldn't you want to go and see him? And that's just the men's game. I mean, clearly I'd plan to see Joby play. For well. <laughs> JBW. Because <laughs> we, we, you know, sort of he probably was
1: his business. Who, who's either on your team or opposed. I guess you don't, you don't know anything about the Americans don't know
2: anything about no I don't, I don't know anything about um, <laughs> the USA team other than you know I know some of the players that they've got are um, you know ex-military vet- so the veterans same as what a lot of our players in the wheelchair game in this country are um, but they are the unknown France, France is going to be my group first group game You you love the French team. Oh, uh, well, I I tolerate them. I think they hate me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But um, I've been like for that, for example, I've been mentioning to some of my Welsh teammates that watch, you know, um, the Leeds and Catalan Dragons game, um, just for some pointers on some of the certain players from the the French team that we will be playing. um, I will happily admit there's one French player I am not looking forward to playing and that's because he's probably about six foot sat in his chair. <laughs> um, and every time I've competed against him in the, you know, the past 12 years, he has gone in and not given any allowances for... Everyone always, everyone always seems to think I get allowances made because I'm female in a mixed team. I do not. Um, but I wouldn't expect it either. So uh, Danny is definitely one of those players that I know the moment I have the ball and he's close to me, he's going to send me flying off the pitch. Uh, <laughs> and it's fine. I sit very short, so I'm going to go up to him, try and tackle him and just be like, they trying to reach. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting group in my group. Um, same with England. Um, you know, they've got the likes of Australia who I think, I think are in the top five in the world. I know the top three, which is France, England, Wales. Then I can't remember who's fourth and fifth. Uh, <laughs> somewhere in there. But that's based on um, the amount of international games that have been played. And obviously we had a two-year periods where we weren't playing. I am um, definitely will be interested to watch uh, the England lot against Australia just because of the development that's happened on both sides of things. Um, and yeah, I'm... I'm a little bit biased in in some ways, you know. I'm um, definitely looking forward to watching some of, um, you know, the men's and women's from Leeds represent each country. Um, I've got favourites, but I'm not going to say that. Because <laughs> um, you're just waiting for, obviously, selections to be announced for each team. But, yeah, it, I think it's going to be an exciting time.
1: So, Phil, you let the side down. You didn't say you were looking forward to seeing Daniel Anderson play Shelley's gone the other week as well. You know I am. So obviously, what we're saying is we should to discussing Wales versus
2: France. I mean, I think so. If you want to see some like big hits, Mm -hmm. yeah, it is. And then obviously, I think like none of us hold back. But because the French play by um, a variation of the rules that we play in the UK. Um, they're never quite sure as to what they can get away with. <laughs> so well, in fact, in
1: fact the, the women's Super League plays completely different roles to the NRLWs. Yeah,
2: so um, it's definitely, like I think, one game that I'm you know, both looking forward to and dreading at the same time is that France game. Um, USA, I'm down. You know? Scotland, I get to annoy Scotland's head coach, who is my ex-England coach. Um, and every time I score, I go like this. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, definitely yeah, looking forward to it and counting down. There's actually a countdown in my house now, probably so that everyone can get rid of me for a few <laughs> weeks. <laughs> oh, Peter,
1: <sorry. laughs> <laughs> so, who are you looking forward to seeing?
0: I think it's very difficult individually. I'm just looking forward to seeing Australia play because they don't normally They do. don't play, yeah. So um, if they actually turn up, I'll be, I'll be looking forward to seeing seeing them. And as I say, Jamaica and Jamaica are going to be great fun. I think Brazil are a really good story as well. I'm just looking forward to the whole tournament. The fact is we're going to get to, to visit new grounds, different places. I think there's a semi, semi-final. Out. The Emirates, so yes. The Emirates, I think that'll be... That'll be excellent. I don't know if anyone went to the Challenge Cup final at Spurs but that was, um, that was a real good occasion and am looking forward to seeing what Arsenal Stadium's like. And I think the fan- the final, the double headed final at Old Trafford, which will be packed, will be a just a real special occasion, one of those, you know events that you just don't want to miss. I think the whole tournament's gonna be good.
1: Review of the press will in the post tournament edition of Forty Twenty magazine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I logistic, yeah. As a, an ex-player, w- what do you look forward to when you when you come to a tournament like this? Because are you wanting to be out there? Are you wanting to just
3: sit down and enjoy it? I don't miss playing one of them, but funnily enough, I'd give everything in my 22-year career. Um, and I loved it, but yeah, different different world now. I'm looking forward to seeing Connor Winfield. Oh, she's ready to play for England, isn't she? Super Aussie accent. Um, Craig Richards, I, I think she'll bring a, a lot to that team as well. I don't think we've seen best of her this year, but I think that's a game where she's going to really come out of the show and play well. Tara Jane Stanley, I think she's up for Woman of Steel, mm-hmm. and listening to Craig Richards, you, you, you're not sure how he's going to play fullback as well. You know, he's quite cryptic with, with that. So I'm looking forward to seeing women's game. I think they'll, they'll throw everything in the kitchen sink at that at that World Cup. Um, and the men's, my old teammate, Callum Watkins, remember that ankle attack? Um, exactly. I was there, I was there, at Old Lang Park, and I watched it, no! Oh! And of all the people in the world you would want the ball to be in his hands, it'd be Callum Watkins. Just gone in by a stud length. Uh, but I think he's been unbelievable this year in back row. And you know he covers the multitude now, I think he's still obviously got the attributes of a great centre uh, and a back rower. And I'd also, a big one, a big call this, John Wilkin was banging on about uh, Andy Acker's at nine, I think he's been sensational this year. I know Brodie Croft has, has, uh, has been unbelievable for Salford, but when you take a backward step and see who's making the plays, two or three players before, that presents the opportunity for Brodie Croft. I think it's is one of the smartest players reviewing uh, his games in the league at the minute. And I know Sean Wayne likes his, his, um, his fortuitous. Nines in, uh, you know, like of Mickey Mack and he's Irish. English. He's Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm just going off the mid-season national. <laughs> but uh, I think yeah, Andy Ackers, I, I like to see him get involved. So. If he's picking on form, yeah,
1: that's what they say. The all international coaches in whatever sport they say they're going to pick on form. I thought for a moment you were going to say pick on looking. I fancy nothing to death, but. <yeah. laughs> but uh, there's a minute and 35 seconds on the clock. Um, <laughs> any questions? I'll throw it open if I'm Fiona Bruce. Yes. No, that's good. that. I'm just <laughs> asleep. Everyone's asleep. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, there's people on the internet, they can't see the not being. I was stung by your wisdom and your wise words. <laughs>
5: yeah, <I'm laughs> talking to Jeremy. We'll go with that one.
1: Um, thank you for coming, it's much appreciated. Um, so much better than the audience when we were at Featherstone the Castle. <laughs> um, John, thank you, good luck to Australia
5: for this film. Magazine out this week, isn't it? Yeah, uh, in shops on Friday, subscribers possibly it Thursday, um, full of World Cup related stuff and all, all the usual columns. How much of my column did I write this month? couldn't <laughs> <From> possibly tell.
2: <time. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a great
5: <laughs> piece by Pete on what's happened at Whitefield. Which is now...
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> out of date. Twenty-four hours after
0: a you own know, uh,
5: Jody
1: good luck with the World Cup for Wales. It, it, you know, you're it, don't win? <laughs> Let's hope that you're singing with Alan Jones in the change rooms now. Uh, Peter, enjoy the match review panel next week. Hopefully, need to have some involvement. That, well, not involvement, but obviously some future involvement. And the same for you, Jimmy. Obviously, the best of luck with Leeds for the playoffs. And I'm not crossing my fingers this time. People think I don't like Leeds, um,
3: but you know, it's better than winning. We've got last year team in now, as Adrian Morley pointed out last week. Um, so yeah, all the best. And uh, thank you for coming, and thanks for
1: watching, and enjoy the World Cup. I think that's how we end.